Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. Before jumping into the Week 13 rankings, I wanted to give some general thoughts on the fantasy playoffs. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're still alive. But if not, it's important to continue trying to win your matchups, especially if you're facing a playoff contender. So it might be too late for you, personally, but it can still be fun to play spoiler. And it's always good to finish the season on a high note, even if you don't have a great record and things didn't go according to plan. And as general etiquette, I would say if you're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, unless you have some sort of last place punishment, I don't think big trades are something you should do. And that means no trading away a star player. Like if you're a team with Jalen Hurts, for example, I'm sure this isn't the case because of how important quarterback is. And if you have Hurts or Josh Allen, another top quarterback, you're probably in good shape for the playoffs. But you shouldn't go trading away a stud player to a playoff contender or a team that's already in the playoffs if you've been mathematically eliminated. I guess a more minor trade would make sense. For example, in my league, I'm not sure if the guy was officially eliminated for playoffs, but someone traded Joshua Dodds for Gus Edwards. That's a very fair trade. Clearly no collusion or anything that would upend the landscape of the fantasy playoffs so with many leagues having their trade deadline this week on wednesday i'd recommend not if i'm a playoff contender engaging in trade talks with teams that are officially eliminated or if you're officially eliminated not just without really giving much thought making a big trade where a star player on your roster is suddenly a difference maker for another team And I mentioned the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen being difference makers. They both had, I think, 35-plus fantasy points in Week 12. I think that was mentioned in the first episode of the year, how much of a difference an elite quarterback is. This year, it's probably only been Allen and Hurts. Patrick Mahomes has not lived up to expectations. But for the future, maybe if you're listening and have been eliminated or have slim playoff hopes, it seems like the second-round price tag on those high-end QB1 options will again be well worth it next year. So that's just something to keep in mind for the future. Now for the Week 13 rankings, starting at quarterback, we have Hurts at 1 with Allen on a bye, but at number 2, a somewhat new name up towards the top in Tua Tagovailoa, and that's because of the matchup versus Washington. We'll see what kind of impact the firing of Jack Del Rio has for the commanders, but I don't think the change with Ron Rivera having a bigger say on the defense, essentially running the defense, will be any match for what Mike McDaniel has in store. So Tua has big time upside. He's a must start in redraft leagues and a great target in DFS play. And Sunday could be a game where Miami wants to put their foot on the gas. I know they've talked about getting Tyreek Hill the receiving yardage record for a single season. So it might be a pad the stats game, even if Washington is unable to keep up. And right behind him at number three, Dak Prescott. If you've had him for this red-hot stretch, I don't really need to convince you to start him. But I want to mention him because he's probably right behind Hurts and Allen as the elite options this season. I'm going to mix in some look-aheads to the fantasy playoffs along with the Week 13 advice. But Dak has a bunch of shootouts in the fantasy playoffs or potential shootouts with the Bills in Week 15, Dolphins in Week 16, and Lions in Week 17. And then if you play through week 18, the commanders. So if you're looking for a quarterback and your trade deadline is still open, maybe someone is stacked at the position, 
I would love Dak as a definite high-end QB1, and he should also be that for the next two weeks, starting on Thursday night against Seattle and then hosting the Eagles in Week 14. For Philadelphia's opponent this week, Brock Purdy is in a great spot to put up numbers based on the continued struggles for the Eagles on the back end. I'm sure San Francisco, knowing how big this game is and the disappointment from the playoff loss, will be ready to play. I don't agree with them being the favorites, but the Eagles, again, continue to be weak on the back end. So Purdy is our QB6 for this week, and we could see big gains from all three of, well, all four really, of Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. Then the final two guys at quarterback I'll quickly mention, one for this week and one for more of a rest of season outlook. Kenny Pickett I love versus the Cardinals as a high-end QB2. I'm not sure Arizona has the bodies on the outside to contain George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Arizona is also weak on the ground, but Pickett was able to get going. It was interesting that Pittsburgh in the first game without Matt Canada was more aggressive targeting the middle of the field when Pickett was playing his college football at Pitt. That was a definite strength for him, so I'd expect that to continue and the arrow for the Steelers offense is pointing up. And then Geno Smith this week will be tough versus Dallas, and the next week again versus San Francisco. But the fantasy playoffs set up nicely for him, especially week 15 and 16 with games against the Eagles and Titans. So if you're in good shape and Geno is available as someone to stash as a QB2 option, that's definitely worth considering with the quarterback position as a whole still being weak as it would protect yourself from an injury and also block an opponent from potentially using Geno. So we'll see. Maybe the struggles continue this week and Smith is already rostered and gets dropped, in which case it'd be a good idea to pick him up with the hopes he can put up QB1 numbers in the fantasy playoffs. Now at running back, some big news for those relying on him this week. Just dropped with Jonathan Taylor now in doubt for week 13 due to a thumb injury. Of course, we put him as the article photo for our rankings this week. That has seemed to happen about five times this year where we will put a player that is seemingly healthy as the photo for rankings and he ends up getting hurt or ends up being revealed to have an injury. But if he can't go, then Zach Moss would probably be a borderline RB1, RB2 against a Tennessee defense that in the first matchup, which happened to be the first game that Taylor was back allowed Moss to rush 23 times for 165 yards and two scores. So I expect Tennessee to be tougher and determined to stop the run in the rematch. They have even said that's the case, but the Indy offensive line has been much better compared to last season, so they should be able to open running lanes. And Moss was great early in the year with at least 70 yards in every game through Taylor's debut. And hopefully you still have him rostered to use if... Taylor is out this week. In the seventh spot, we have Devon Achan. It seems that based on what Mike McDaniel has said, that Achan could have suited up in week 12, but a variety of factors. McDaniel said the short week and the opponent played a role in him sitting, but I think it might have had to do with the MetLife turf being one that leads to injuries. So if Achan is back this week in a great matchup against the Commanders, He'll be a high upside RB1, and I know he burnt people a couple of weeks ago, but it's important to remember the three games in which he was featured. He put up fantasy point totals of 49.3, 25.5, and 21.0 in half PPR leagues. 
So assuming he plays, A-Chan will be difficult to bench. And I think because he exited early in his last appearance, Miami will make sure he's 100% healthy before he suits up. So if A-Chan plays, I wouldn't have too much hesitation about getting him back in lineups. I also wouldn't hesitate about Zach Charbonnet if Kenneth Walker is out again. The matchup versus Dallas doesn't look great on paper. I think they're allowing the fifth fewest fantasy points per game to running backs. But they can be run on a bit if teams commit to the run. And I think Seattle will do that after falling behind last week against San Francisco. So Charbonnet handled 18 touches on Thanksgiving. And I think running room will be easier to come by this Thursday night. So I'd start him as a definite top 15 option and someone that brings a high floor due to the involvement in the passing game. And jumping up a couple of spots, we have Ramondre Stevenson as the RB11 this week in a great matchup against the Chargers. But I more so want to mention him as I did before and also Ezekiel Elliott for the matchup in week 16 versus Denver. Despite all the improvements that the Broncos have made defensively, they're still very weak versus the run. So no matter who plays at quarterback for the Patriots, I'd expect Stevenson and Elliott to be featured in that game. And Stevenson might be a guy that could be acquired in a trade with many scared off by the state of the New England offense, despite a strong game from him coming out of the bye. And Elliott, I think, is worth remaining rostered because of that handcuff upside. And he's also been a steady option that can pick up a handful of points behind Stevenson. And the final guy I'll mention at running back for this week is Jalen Warren. We have as a top 20 option versus Arizona. The Cardinals were just shredded by Kyron Williams. Previously, they allowed 45 fantasy points to Christian McCaffrey. So I know Warren disappointed for those expecting a bigger role for him. Last week, he only had 5.7 fantasy points. But I love the matchup for him and would get him in lineups as a top 20 option versus Arizona. At wide receiver, I mentioned the Miami offense in a blow-up spot versus the Commanders. So we have Tyreek Hill as the overall wide receiver one, and Jalen Waddle actually not far behind as the wide receiver six for week 13. This might be putting too much on the Miami offense, but I think they'll know how to attack the Commanders, and we've obviously seen them blow up with the 70-point explosion earlier this year. So a mega stack in DFS lineups is something that might make sense if you're willing to go heavy on Miami. For the elite wide receiver options that have struggled in Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase, for Cup, he just hasn't been as efficient as he's been in previous seasons. So we've downgraded him outside the top 10, but he at least still has Matthew Stafford throwing in passes. This week against the Browns will be tough, but I don't see, unless you're completely stacked, any way you can bench Cup. So those counting on him this week and next week to get in the fantasy playoffs will hopefully at least get a higher floor from Cup, who has gone for yardage totals of 29, 21, 48, 11, and 18 over the past five games, which is crazy to think about. For Chase, he was able to have a decent game versus Pittsburgh with four receptions for 81 yards. And now he'll face the Jaguars, who will likely have quite a few eyes on him, especially if T. Higgins is out again. So Chase's our wide receiver 15. You're banking on the big play upside or a touchdown keeping him afloat. And at least Zach Taylor will be sure to give Chase targets with Jake Browning under center. And like Cup, he's simply too good to bench unless you're completely stacked. And Chase does get a good matchup in Week 14 versus Indy. But sticking with this week's opponent in Jacksonville, 
if the defense for them is available in your league, they're definitely someone worth picking up that could potentially be used every week the rest of the way. This week, they'll have nice upside versus Cincinnati, and then they take on the Browns, who really were not sure who would be playing quarterback for them at that point. Then week 15 is the spot to bench them versus Baltimore, but they're worth holding on to for games down the stretch versus the Bucks, and then week 17, the fantasy championship versus the Panthers at home. So with Josh Allen turning into a superstar off the edge, Jacksonville was a difference-making unit last season in the fantasy playoffs and could be again this year. So just wanted to quickly mention that. Now back to the wideouts, an option that we've mentioned quite a bit is Rasheed Rice coming off his best game of a pro with eight receptions, 107 yards, and a score on 10 targets. So I don't see how that performance doesn't make him a weekly featured player for Kansas City. They started slow, but it was one of their best offensive showings of the year with Kadarius Toney and Michael Hardman out, which forced the rookie into a bigger role. I still think Toney in particular, when he's back, should be someone Kansas City leans on also. But opportunities was the only thing holding Rice back. So taking advantage of them again should make him closer to a full-time player down the stretch. And we have him as a top 24 option this week for a Sunday night football game against the Packers. And then quickly, I'll mention three guys worth considering as a maybe deeper league or streaming option this week. First is Demario Douglas versus the Chargers. We saw the struggles they had defending Zay Flowers on Sunday night. And for New England, their offense is basically runs or short passes to primarily Douglas. So he's a high floor option that can hopefully break a big play like Flowers did and should be rostered for this week and beyond. On the other side of that matchup, it's unclear if he'll return, but Joshua Palmer is eligible to be activated from IR. So with the Chargers underperforming offensively, he could immediately be leaned on if back, and Justin Herbert showed a good connection with him early in the season with rookie Quentin Johnston failing to step up in his absence. So Palmer could immediately be a high upside flex if he's back on Sunday. And then A.T. Perry, another rookie, and he could be the number one wideout for New Orleans this week with Michael Thomas out and Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, both highly questionable. Detroit, as we saw on Thanksgiving, is weak versus the pass. So Perry could be picked up and started this week. And he also has nice touchdown potential because of his size and the lack of weapons for New Orleans. And that takes us to tight end to finish things off. Sticking with the Saints, Jawan Johnson makes the top 12 because, again, the weaponry for the Saints is banged up right now. I'm sure Alvin Kamara will be featured, and we have Taysom Hill as their overall tight end four at tight end with the expectation that they will play through him quite a bit. But when they air it out in a traditional sense, I'm sure Johnson will be more involved. He showed flashes last week and was a breakout candidate entering the year. So maybe he'll put things together over these final six games. A couple of spots above him is Pat Fryermuth. I mentioned the Steelers attacking the middle of the field more in the first game without Matt Canada, and Fryermuth was a big part of that. He's another guy that was a breakout candidate. He already had a good start to his career, but Fryermuth has high touchdown potential and should be a strong start after the Cardinals just allowed two touchdowns to Tyler Higby. And then someone trending down, although the talent, which is the most important thing, really isn't in question, is Kyle Pitts. 
we have him right between Farmouth and Johnson as our tight end 11. The Jets are a good matchup, but Pitts is simply difficult to trust based on his lack of involvement in Arthur Smith's offense. So Pitts has probably been passed by guys like David Njoku and Jake Ferguson and also Trey McBride as more reliable starters. But I will say the talent makes Pitts someone to continue rostering. And we'll see if he somehow starts going off similar to Darren Waller's breakout a few years ago. So that will conclude this episode. As always, you can find our full rankings and analysis on wolfsports.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out through Fantasy Consigliere, and we'd be happy to answer. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.